Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Uh, In Luke chapter 4 verse 18, the title of my message this morning is Strengthened. And I'm talking specifically around strengthening your position, your position as a believer. And so in Luke 4 18, this is Jesus talking. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. So set oppressed, uh, to set the oppressed free. I love this because right in this passage of scripture, Jesus locates himself. Jesus reveals his position to you. He says, this is what I'm here to do. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And apparently when he read this out, it was in like a, uh, like a context, like a church. He stood up, he grabbed a scroll, he opened it up, he read this out and he sat back down. I just love the efficiency of that. I'm not here to muck around. This is what I'm going to do. The spirit of the Lord is on me and this is what I'm going to, and he has anointed me. And so I wanted to say to you this morning, as believers, the spirit of God is on you. He has anointed you. You're anointed to preach the good news. You're a, and when you think about that, the Spirit of God is on me. Every one of you have got the Spirit of God on. You've been called by name, chosen by name. It's an amazing thing. So that should instantly locate you. You've got your position. What's my position? My position is the Spirit of God's on me. My position as I go through the earth is I've got the power of God on me. I'm anointed by God. That's like a, it's a, so the moment you start saying that about yourself, because understand Jesus is saying this about himself. So you could pray this over yourself. The spirit of God's on me. So when you're thinking of all those things that you might get worried about, you say to yourself, the spirit of God's on me. I am anointed. The spirit of the living God is on me. As I speak that, I feel myself feeling better. I feel encouraged about, about me. In fact, this, this week I was actually praying this verse over me. And it's not pride or being cocky. It's just the spirit of God's on me. Sometimes I've got to remind myself that that's a reality, that I'm strong, that I'm not weak, that I'm confident, that I'm not timid. The spirit of God's on me. He's anointed me. So let's, with that as a location, that's to strengthen your position Who are you in Christ? What's your position? Let me read out another scripture. It's in Acts 16. It's a long one. Is everyone okay with that? It's a lot of Bible in one day. It's a lot of verses. We can read it fast if you want to. But I figure that church is a good place to read the Bible. You should probably read your Bible outside of church as well, just in case you were wondering. You don't just have to read it here. It says, Acts 16, verse 16, once we were going to the place of prayer, this is Paul and Silas, uh, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. So she's, she's, uh, she's mocking. She's mocking you. She's, it's the spirit of this age will mock your faith in God. So you will get to made, uh, you will be made to feel intimidated. You'll be made to feel that what you believe is silly. You'll be made to feel like that coming to church is a waste of time, that praying to God is a waste of time, that what are you happy clappy Christians doing up there in that building clapping? You'll be made, it's the spirit of this age trying to mock your faith. Okay. So it's going to try and 
undermine you because it wants to reposition you because the devil knows that where you're positioned and so he wants to reposition you constantly and the only way you can be repositioned is if you reposition yourself if you take the lower course then you'll you can position yourself there that's why the bible says meditate on the word day and night do not depart from it because it's about you positioning yourself who am i what have i got what am i here to do so this the spirit of this age will always mock your faith It'll mock your position. No, you're not. You can't do that. You can't say that. Look at you. You're ridiculous. This is all crazy. So that's the spirit of this age. So these, these, this, is not a, um, this is not a fake story. It's not a make-believe story. Uh, they were going on their way to prayer, and there is a lady literally walking behind them, mocking them, yelling, and it's getting in their ear. It's, you know, it's, it's going on for a number of days. These are servants of the Most High God. Oh, and apparently they're telling you to be saved. Saved? Saved from what? She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. In the King James, it says he became angry. It's like a righteous anger. You're allowed to get angry sometimes with the devil. She kept this up. He became annoyed. He turned around and said to the spirit, it's a spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us as Romans to accept and practice. The crowd joined in. Man, you could, if you can get the crowd, if you can get the crowd to join in, I call it the, Bar- oh, no, I won't, the Barabbas concept. Have you heard? Because they let, they let that guy Barabbas, he was a murderer, and they let him go because they got the crowd behind it. And suddenly, like, if you can get the crowd stirred up about something... Anyway, you know, you know what I'm thinking there, don't you? Like the crowd getting, go onto social media, the crowd gets stirred up. And suddenly if we can get every, all the people stirred up, it helps kind of bring that spirit into the earth. And so uh, this is what's happening. They dragged them in front of the magistrates. The crowd joined in the attack. Paul and Silas, the magistrate, ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. These were not spiritual rods. They were real rods. It wasn't like, I really feel like I've been attacked by the devil. They actually got beat up, like proper. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains became loose. The jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors. He drew his sword, was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Isn't being a Christian just fun? Like, this is just... Imagine how exciting this was. Like, who would have thought? Like, there's just... I love this. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, all the, uh, to all the others in his house. At that hour the, of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into this house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and his whole household. You, that's awesome just like that but there's a there is a key in this in this passage in regard to position 
and obviously Paul and Silas, their strength, their strength to have faith in God in a bad situation, which is, which is not easy to do. It's easy to have strength or faith in God when things are going well. It's easy to have faith in God when, when life is working out well for you. But when you read through the Bible, you read all these stories where things went really bad. Situations got bad. You know the story of uh, they, Jesus feeds the 4,000, 5,000 people and he makes the disciples sit and uh, get all the people to sit in groups of 50 and 100. And this, this, there's a miracle of feeding all these people. And the miracle must last for a day. And the disciples have to work really hard. The first thing, they make them sit down in groups of 50. So all the disciples running around, like, I need you guys to get in 50. Imagine telling people to try and get into a group of 50. 49, 50. Okay, that's good. You don't know. You can't go to another group. This is your group of 50. I need you in a group of 100. I don't want to be in a group of 100. I want to go to the group of 50. Like, just trying to do that would be annoying. You'd get frustrated just trying to work with people. And then Jesus does that. He gets the, the bread from the little boy. And uh, he goes, now I want you to go to distribute this to the 4,000 people. And so the disciples have to now walk around with, here's a bit for you. I got less than him. Give me, you got more than me. Why do we, you know, you just like, and so then they've got to do that. Like 5,000 people they feed and then they're like, disciples go and sit down. They're like, I am stuffed. And then Jesus goes, you're, you're tired guys. And they're like, yeah, we've just had enough. And he goes, right now I want you to go and gather up all the leftovers. I don't want anything. And they're like, this is ridiculous serving Jesus is just hard and they're like gather up all the leftovers and so then they've got to go around 5,000 people pick up every little bit and guess what it says there are 12 baskets of leftovers there are 12 disciples Jesus made sure there was a basket for everyone to carry and then he says good now get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake they go to the boat they get in the boat this is on the same day other side of the lake they get over there they cast a demon out of this guy and he says now get back in the boat it's night time go to the other side I would be ready just to flip my, Jesus, I love you. This is good, but this is, you're pushing me too far. This is too much. I've had enough. And it says that night there is a storm on the lake. And Jesus is looking at the storm. It's a real storm, not a fake storm. It's a real storm. And he's looking at the storm and he's watching the disciples. And it says they're so fearful. They're full of fear and they're trembling in the boat. And then it says Jesus walks on water. And he's going to walk right by them until one of them cries out, Jesus, save us. Even that, it says he would have walked right by had they not cried out. And I'm thinking, Jesus is so nasty. He makes them work all day. Then he makes them go into a storm. And it says then he ignores them. I'm all good, he goes. And it says, and then he's like, and then he rebukes them. Oh, you of little faith. Like, this is just, what kind of Jesus are you? He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to get something into them. He's trying to form something in them. He, he knows that life is not going to be easy. It, the, the spirit of this age is going to come against them. And if you think you're going to be a believer in this present day and age and you, and you think you can just walk on through without not knowing your position of who you are in Christ. So Christ will let us go through storms, will let us go through trials, will let us feel those feelings because he's trying to form something in you. And so this is what Paul and Silas have got in them. They've got this faith that no matter where they are, what they're going through, what they're experiencing, they've got a faith in Christ that they can sing hymns 
and songs at midnight after having their backs beaten, bloodied, and the stocks, they're in these stocks, and the stocks were kind of raised off the ground, so that meant they had to lay on their back on the ground. They were forced to lay on the very wounds that had been wounded, and somehow there they are with bloodied blacks, feet in stocks, and they're singing songs. What a mighty God we serve. He is a wonder. He is a miracle. What a mighty... And then, or, or, or were they? This is what I'd like to know. Because if, if, if they were, I would have been, maybe, I don't know, Silas could have been, Paul, look at the size of these stocks. Have you heard? No one's ever gotten out of these stocks. These ones are ridiculous. There used to be an old kind you could, but not these ones. These ones, no one ever gets. There's the last guy that was in there. He's dead. Paul, he's dead. Look at him. We're, we're stuffed, Paul. We're never getting out of this. Did you see the biceps on the jailer that's keeping us in here? We're never going to get past him. So he's going, if you start talking about the problem and you start meditating on the problem and you start confessing the problem, you are locating yourself, you are positioning yourself under the problem. And what, what happens is you, now you're literally speaking that problem into being. You're confessing that, look, it's bad. These stocks are bad. The situation's bad. The jailer's arms are bad. The prison's bad. We are in the inner cell. This is not the outer cell. Paul, in case you didn't realize, the inner cell. There are no windows in the inner cell. This is like lockdown, Paul. We are never getting out. So, so can you understand? It's... The, the first scripture we read was, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. So, so when I start saying to you, like, we're never getting out. We're in the innocent. It's like you feel the feeling of defeat. You start feeling the fear, like the fear, the panic. You start, it, it's, that's why I said, like, I've given too much time already to talking about this, this virus. It's like, I'm, and it's not to be ignorant, but it's just, what are you going to give your time to? What are, what are you going to confess? What, and and see, so you're surrounded by people, and they're going to be talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and talking and going over and and that and that's literally the same as it's meditating. You are meditating. You are rehearsing in your mind, going over and over and over in your mind. That's why the Bible says, "Meditate on the word." Because as we meditate on the word, you're rehearsing in your mind victory. You're rehearsing in your mind, I'm a conqueror. That is your position. There are all sorts of positions in life. What is your, there's a position during a race. I um, have the record of parent-teacher, 100-meter sprint. <laughs> Up until year seven, because you could only participate in the 100-meter sprint till year seven, and then when our kids went into year eight, you could no longer participate. And so uh, I nearly killed myself one year. There was this big, tall, black guy who was, he looked like a sprinter to me, probably not. He ran in jeans, but I only just beat him. And I'm just a little bit competitive. I had to, but the year before that, I got to run against my brother. And so my brother was there because his kids were in the same school. And so we both, uh, they said, they announce it like, and you, I'm terribly competitive. So it's just ridiculous. Like they announce it. If, if any of the parents want to participate in that, just, just make like, Make your way, and so I'm just like casually making my way down, like thinking, and I've been thinking about this for a month out. I'm like, this is not just, I knew the day, the hour, where I had to be, and I was ready, and then the, and the announcement, and I was waiting for the announcement, like, when are they going to call it? When's the, they better not have cancelled the teacher race, like, I've been practicing doing squats, getting ready for this. 
Finally, they call the race, and there we are. And, I, and it's like me versus my brother. I don't know who else was there. It's just, and he's my older brother. So it's, it's on. All I've got to do is beat him. That's all I care about. I am going to beat my older brother. And so, the, 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 and you know, and when, so when you take, it's like you take the starting position. And so instantly now, do you understand? Like you're in a different position. You're not standing there at the start of the race like this. You, you assume a new position. You take on, like, I'm about to race. So I'm getting my back leg ready and front legs ready. Arms are out. Like, I'm in, I'm ready to go, baby. I'm thinking, I've got to get my brother. I want to kill him. I want to just smash him. I want to, you know, in, in love <laughs> and mercy and grace. But I just want to make sure I beat him. And uh, anyway, and so the, uh, his wife and my wife were at the end. They had the, the cameras out filming and and the, you know, bang, the thing goes, and off, off I go. And he, if it was a long distance race, he would. He's always been better at long distance than I. But in the in the sprint, I can get him. He's got longer legs. I got short, stumpy ones, and they're better for sprinting, but bad for long distance. And and so in the race, as we're coming down the thing, like I'm edging in front, a meter in front, two meters in front, three meters in front, four meters in front. And as we're getting close toward the finish line, like I know that I'm gonna win. I can't see anyone else. And uh, the, the, uh, Cindy, my wife, was videoing, and so you can see the look on his face as he's like got his head back and he's looking at me because I'm in front of him. So his eyes are on me and he's looking like with this look of defeat. <laughs> I, I told him it was a look of defeat. It might not have been. But he was like, how is he getting in front of me? How come his legs are moving faster than mine? And then he got to the end. He's like, anyway, I'm pretty happy with second. I said, you didn't come second. You're just the first loser. Come on. Hey, it's a brotherly rivalry that's been going on for a long time. And so, but it's this position. When, when uh, you take on a fighting position, we had this security guy once in our church and Cindy had asked him, she said, oh, could you, you know, on a Sunday, I, I didn't need to, but it was like, she's like, because she knew this guy was this MMA fighter type person. And she goes, you could be like, you know, like a bit of a security guy for Tim. And, and so then I was like, oh, it sounds pretty cool, I suppose, you know. I don't know if anyone's going to attack me, but why not? And uh, he goes, I've got a better idea. Why don't I just teach Tim how to fight? And I'm like, yeah, okay, we could do that. He goes, yeah, yeah, come around. So what we'll do is I'll teach you to fight and then you teach me the Bible. I'm like, all right, okay, so we we're going to do, he was going to teach me to fight, and then uh, we we're going to do a Bible study after. I thought, should be right. And so he, we go out into his shed, and he's got all this stuff out there, boxing bags and different things. He goes, right, so what do you want to know? He goes, first thing I'm going to teach you, someone's going to stab you. This is, what you're going to, this is how you're going to grab the knife, and you let it go through, you pull them close, and then you grab them around the neck, and if they do this, you get their arm, and you snap it. And then once you get them onto the thing, you put their arm back that way, you put your knee into their chest, and then you rock over their face like that. And then he's like, let's, should we go study the Bible now? And I ended up saying, I said, oh, mate, there's, just, there's, a, there's a contrast here between the spirit I feel that comes from the Bible and the spirit you've just taught me about breaking someone's neck. I just, I'm struggling to... Um, I feel like there are two worlds and... Um, I'm struggling to read the Bible after I've learnt to kill someone. Oh, do you not want to learn how to fight? I said, I, I, yeah, I, I think I'd rather not know. You just, you just look out for me. He said, that's probably a good idea. 
But I did learn, he said, you know, like you take on this, you take on this position. So the first thing you would do if someone was going to look like they're getting aggressive, he said, you would just carefully change your position. He said, what, and what you're doing is you're just, you're getting, you're getting ready. You're getting ready for what might come. He said, and so doing this, he said, it's going to give them less area to hit. You're going to have your arm just down. So there's all these little, you know, that stance, your stance changes. You can move off your back foot. You can advance quicker. You're going to be within striking distance. I love the story of David and Goliath. And David was uh, so confident. And so was Goliath. However, uh, it was like this giant saying all this stuff to David, trying to intimidate him. And in David's mind, he's like, I'm going to get close to you. I'm going to get right up close. Here's, here's why I'm saying all this stuff. I feel like the church is about to change position. I feel like that everything that is happening in the earth today, the pressure that's coming upon the church is not pressure that's going to defeat us. It's, it's God actually trying to change the position that we currently have. And, and it's like we know that we're the head, not the tail. We, we kind of, we know that. But at the same time, it's like the devil is also trying to change his position. And this is not the first time the devil's tried this before. If you know the story, the devil looked up at God and said, why does God get to sit on the throne? I was, it's always been about position. Jesus speaks of it. And Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning. There was a, the devil on that day took a different position. We're positioned in an extremely awesome, like amazing spot. But all this pressure that's coming upon the church is like, we need to be positioned in a fight type stance. There's no, we can no longer kind of be passive and, and just take it all on board and, oh yeah, and, and get involved in the same conversations. You are to be positioned in faith. Your position as a believer is one of faith. Your position as a believer is one of confidence. That's exactly how Paul and Silas positioned themselves. They had a position of faith that no matter how bad life got, no matter the beatings they received, they, they maintained my position is a position of faith. That's why I can be in the inner cell and not be talking about the inner cell, but I can be singing praises to God because I know my position. I know what God's called me to do. And that's your position. So no matter what happens, you are to maintain a position of faith. Don't get involved in all the, the stuff. Don't let that be, and start meditating on it and confessing it. Your position is one of faith. You're a conqueror in Christ Jesus. In sickness and in health, you remain in faith. Whether you're outside the prison or inside the prison, it didn't, it didn't affect their position. They maintained a position of faith and believing for the best. And I'm telling you, if we remain in that position, God can bring a great earthquake and the Bible says that every prison door was opened. So every time we sense the enemy trying to change position, we've got to know that we're going to come out on top. You're going to come out on top. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper in Jesus' name. So it's a bit of a, uh, a different, I actually had like a whole, a whole nother message, but as I was coming over here, I felt like in regard to everything that's happening, that God, who are we? And what is our position in all of this? And for all of us, our position is one of faith. We don't we don't step back. We don't cower. We don't get intimidated. We take up. It's like, awesome. 
Good. Come on. Bring it on. That's why you're the light of the world. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flowing.